Would you pray with me? That's what we're going to do, God. We are going to sing of your goodness. So we want to spend not just the hour that we gather together, but our lives. God, we want to make our lives a song singing about your goodness over a world that desperately needs to know that there is more than what, what, what the world sees right in front of it. God, we thank you for pursuing us, for coming after us over and over again. God, you don't relent. You, you come after your people. And the best picture of that we have is Jesus Christ, your son, that you sent to, who you sent to come and to let us know that we're seen and that we're known and that the, the desperation that we sometimes feel in this world is known by the God who created us and desires to redeem us. You come after us, you pursue us, oh God. And somehow this, this thing that you're doing in us and even in this room and online and through this, this church is, is meant not just for us, but for the sake of the world. That as we experience your goodness, that this might be a, a place and a people where you're, the good news is magnified. And so God, we, we shout from this hilltop here in Mount Juliet and from our living rooms all, all over the place, the name of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Christ is the answer. Jesus is where we find our hope. Jesus is how we know how good God is. So God, we thank you for knowing us and seeing us in all the places where we are, all that we've brought in with us today. God, we pray that you would not leave us where we are. Your desire is for us to, to, to grow more and more into Christ-likeness, to see something in him that would change our lives. So God, we pray that you'll speak to us as we open up your word, as we continue to have our hearts focused on you and on your son, Jesus who taught us this prayer, how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory Amen. Well, I want to welcome everyone who is maybe a guest with us today. Um, what we want you to know is that this is, this is a place where God continues to, to move on a regular basis. And so many of you have come today, I know just in part, but you would love to hear what the total of our Christmas offering was this year. You see here at Providence Church, our Christmas offering, 100% of it goes out um, to ministries that we partner with. And this year, the offering is going out to Compassionate Hands and Barry Tatum, uh, a school right here in our community. So a ministry with, with the homeless in our community and, and with students who might not um, always be seen in our community. And so uh, we've been tallying up all the money that you guys have been sending in through this offering. And the number is, are you ready for the number? $279,527. I don't know about where you come from, but for where I come from, that's a lot of money. Um, it's incredible. 
So that's going to change lives uh, right here in, in our community. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to have folks from Compassionate Hands and Barry Tatum Academy up here on stage. We're going to um, be sharing this gift that you guys have given with them. We're going to be hearing maybe a little bit more about how that's going to impact lives and impact our community. And we'll get to pray over them. So in two weeks, we'll, we'll be doing that. And so that's, that's a lot, right? So there's even more because of how amazing God is and how amazing you guys are in responding to him. You might remember over the last couple of months, uh, we've done some other, uh, we've had some other ministries that have been going on in our out, outreach ministries. One of them was the turkey drop that took place in November. Hundreds of, of boxes of, of food, me, complete meals went out to families all over the place. You guys helped to do that and to fund that. Um, you guys also provided gifts for students next door who might not have had Christmas gifts otherwise at Rutland Elementary School, and gifts for a soldier's child who met right here and had a party, a Christmas party right here in this room. What you might not know is even in the last week, $10,000 uh, went to El Porvenir, a ministry in Nicaragua that provides clean water. We've been partnering with them for years and years. We've been able to give, give them a, a blessing at the end of the year as well. And $12,000 for Habitat Humanity Build right here in our community. Guys, that's a lot. That's amazing. You guys are amazing. If we tally all that up, it's somewhere in the ballpark of $362,000 that just were, was given away through, through Providence Church at the end of the year. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. So what that does for me is it fills me with a lot of gratitude, and I just feel the need to just say thanks to God with you guys. So would you pray with me? God, how somehow your um, big movement within this church causes us to be humbled in our spirit and in awe of you, in awe of how you can work through everyday people like this. And God, we are so grateful for how um, the gifts that you poured out through this and, and the time and the commitment and the focus on, on ministries that are meeting needs in the community around us and in the world around us will change lives. So God, we pray for individuals. We pray for people that we will never know who will be drinking clean water, who will have a safe place to sleep for the night, who will know that, they, that their education, that they are valued and that their education is valued. God, continue to pour out through this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Mark. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you, to welcome you to Providence. I'm Jacob Armstrong, one of the pastors here. We are glad uh, that you're here. I know we have folks that are here for the very first time, and so thank you for starting your, your new year with us today. Whiteboard, what? What's going on? Okay, I'll tell you about that in a minute, but uh, <laughs> I'm just excited about the, it's the first time I've ever done the whiteboard. So buckle up for that. It's going to be fun. I know that many of you brought your Bibles. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 today. And uh, our verse for the year is an interesting verse. It says, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Ephesians 5, 14. And Every year, most people, starting a new year is a natural time to begin to think about doing some different things, 
to starting some, some things, to, to getting going. And, and, and a way that I want us to think about that this morning, this morning is what would it be like to break some cycles? And that's kind of what we're doing when we, like some of you are, you're, you're, you're seeking to eat better as you start the new year, right? Some of you got that three-week gym membership uh, to start the year, you know, or you're seeking to, to, to be more diligent in your devotion to God. There's all these things that we think about doing. And most of the time it, it's connected to, there's some things that we have been doing that we want to stop doing. There's a, there's a cycle that we've been a part of that we want to get out of. And so this morning we're going to think about what would it be like to break out of some of those cycles and hear what God has to say to us to get power uh, to live in a different way. Wake up, O sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And that's where the whiteboard comes in this morning. And just a first off, I'm asking you for um, a lot of grace so just nod your head, grace for the handwriting, okay? Um, it's not about the handwriting, all right? I was telling my girls last night that I was, I was like, I'm pretty pumped. I got this new thing I'm doing with the whiteboard. And they're like, that is awesome, Dad. It sounds so cool. And then they were like, but you're not the one writing on that whiteboard. And I was like, yes, I am. So that's it. That's, we're done with, done with that. But I, I, many of y'all have heard me talk about over the years uh, a journey that I've had, a struggle that I've had with anxiety. Some of you share that share that journey. And it's something that's been a part of my life for some time. I've been talking about it for, for 20 years or so, but it was just several years ago that I realized that it had, there was a cycle to my anxiety. There was a cycle to that that I'd never really identified. And the way that I found it, the way that I identified it was by saying no to something that I really wanted to say yes to. And I was confused by that. I'll, I'll tell you what happened. I was sitting on the front porch. Uh, this is six years ago. And one of my little girls came out on the front porch and said, Hey dad, do you want to play? And I just said, no. And I kept looking out in the front, front yard and she walked away. Now, first off, uh, it's, it's fine. It's, it's fine sometimes to tell your kids, no, you don't want to play. Amen? <laughs> All right. So that's not the point of this. The, the point is, I felt something as she walked away. And I wondered, why did I just say no to my treasure? And I'm just sitting here looking out in the front yard. I knew I was feeling anxious. And so I began a journey of just kind of trying to discover what in the world is going on. And what I, what I discovered through some help and some counseling is that I actually had a, a cycle that I would go into uh, in anxiety. And I want to just show it to you as an, as an example. So uh, anxiety always starts with fear. And fear is really normal. Everybody feels fear. Kids feel fear. All that kind of fear can be a good thing. It can lead you to a good, good place. But in my, in my cycle, in my life, you know, I'd feel fear. And then suddenly I'm in this uh, anxious place. Anxiety is, uh, most people know what it feels like. It's, a, it's sort of like an inward expression of the fear that you're feeling that then becomes this outward expression. It's almost like you're kind of pushing people away and you just feel anxious. The fear connects in a way, uh, uh, in a manifestation that we describe with this word anxiety. And what I hadn't known before is that the anxiety actually for me led to a feeling of and a very real isolation. So there was this isolating part to it. And most of the time anxiety does that. It's not a physical isolation. I wasn't removing myself from my job or my family or anything like that. But I could be sitting on the front porch and someone's speaking to me. And it's like I was in this thing. I was isolated from them. And I never really realized that part of the cycle. And so what comes after that for me in that cycle after I've isolated is shame, right? Shame is this feeling of like, why did I just say no 
to this thing that I want to say yes to. And so I'm wrestling with that. And when you begin to feel shame, you're like, why am I doing this? Where did this come from? That leads to more fear. And then all of a sudden you're in this thing that if you follow it out for a long time, you experience more anxiety, more isolation, more shame, more fear. That was my cycle that I discovered. And I'm thankful that there's many ways that I have and and, am coming out of and breaking out of that. But I wanted you to see it. And I want to show you another one that some of you are going to be able to relate to personally. Uh, Most all of us will at least know someone who has been in the cycle of addiction. So I just want to show you like this is kind of uh, sociology's way of talking about the cycle of addiction. It won't fit everyone's experience, but you'll you'll see that the the cycle is common. So the first thing in addiction is you use. You use a drug, you try a drug, and so that use could be a one-time thing, but if you're stepping into this cycle, use quickly becomes abuse. And so abuse just means, you know, that you're doing this over and over and over, and it's something that you're doing that is hurting you in the addiction cycle. And what quickly happens just in your body is a tolerance to the drug. So your body is adjusting to this thing that you pulled in, and your body's actually saying, okay, we can handle this, we can do this, and then that quickly leads to a dependence so before your body was saying, okay, I tolerate this, uh, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily feeling it, so you have to do more, and the more you do, the more your body becomes dependent on it, and dependence leads to this thing that we call addiction. And the addiction is, I have to keep doing this. It becomes something that consumes your life. And most people who've experienced any kind of addiction will try to stop being addicted and they will even stop for some time. But the cycle of addiction, once you uh, are addicted, it leads to a relapse and more use and then abuse and your body tolerating and dependent and it becomes this cycle that keeps going in your life. I wanna show you one more, just so uh, we can begin to think about how cycles uh, come into our lives and stay and are hard to get out of. There's been a lot of talk and writing on a, on a cycle of shame lately, especially by uh, a great author and sociologist named Brene Brown. So she talks a lot about the cycle of shame. And the reason I'm bringing it up is I found that a lot of Christians, a lot of people that are seeking to follow Jesus also struggle with shame. So shame happens because something happened to you. Something happened to you, you experienced something, something was said to you that makes you feel shame. Again, shame is a very natural emotion in itself, not necessarily uh, you know, a bad thing. But if shame leads to secrecy, you say, I am not telling anyone about what happened to me. I don't want anyone to know that. I don't want anyone to see that. And you also don't want them to know about your shame. And so the shame leads to secrecy. And then that leads, sort of like the cycle I started with in my own life, leads to what they call separation. And so the secrecy has led you to a separate place. You've separated yourself from people you love, separated yourself all because of the shame that started it. And then in most people's life, if they're dealing with shame, there'll be something that triggers them where they will uh, remember the shame. They'll remember what happened. They'll remember what was said. And they're deep into this cycle. And for some people, not everybody, but for some people, then that trigger moment leads them to act out. They act out in a way that they wouldn't have wanted to, but all this stuff's been kind of, you know, churning inside of them. They've even said, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to do that acting out. But the trigger leads them to act out. And guess what acting out leads to? More shame, right? Bunch more shame. And then you're back to this. I'm not going to tell anybody. And so it becomes uh, a cycle that's difficult to get out of. 
And there's really only one way to get out of a cycle like that, a vicious cycle, a harmful cycle in your life. Um, the only way to get out of it is to break out. So we'll think sometimes, maybe if I can just slow it down. But a cycle keeps on going. Slowing down is not really the best tactic to getting out. Or we'll think, can I stop this? Is there any way I can stop anywhere in the midst of this? That's harder. The, the, the tactic really is to break out of it. To break it and to break out of it. And the word that I want to use as we talk about that this morning sounds like break. It's the word wake. We want to wake up. God says, wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. God is calling us, I think, in the wake up to an opportunity through his power to break out of harmful cycles in our lives and to uh, experience something that is going to be described in Ephesians chapter 5. So as I begin to read Ephesians 5 over the last few weeks preparing for this, I begin to see something of kind of lift off the pages for me, a cycle that I've seen lived out in faithful followers of Jesus. And I got so excited about it and so excited about uh, talking to you about it that I brought a whiteboard onto the stage to show it to you. And I'm sweating right now because I think this shirt is really hot um, and I'm not used to writing in front of people, but I want to do it. I'm committed to do it because I want you to see this. And it's, it's not a magic formula, okay? This isn't like, oh, wow, we saw this. No, I, I just, I'm using this as a way of studying the scripture this morning, studying Ephesians chapter five to see what God is showing us. And again, the reason it excited me so much is because I'm like, this is what I've seen in the people that I want to be like. The people that I've seen break out, break out of cycles, who are deeply walking in faith and following Jesus. Uh, and so it starts with Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, if you're wanting to look on in your Bible. And the first step, the first thing that's lifted up in, uh, in Ephesians here is we are told that we are dearly loved children of God. And so I'm going to write here, I am God's dearly loved child. And I could have written, it would have been shorter just to write, I am God's child. But I don't want you to miss the descriptors that are given in Ephesians 5.1. Here's the verse. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. We are being told who we are. There's a bunch of stuff to come, a call to follow God's example, a call to walk in the way of love, but you can't step into the rest unless you understand this. In fact, if we don't get this kind of first thing, everything else falls to pieces that I'm about to talk about. It is, it is the beginner of the cycle and, and it can't be started in, in any other way. Last week I had you guys look at me. I said, hey, look at me, look at me. Uh, you are God's dearly loved child. It's who you are. And if you're wondering how far that extends, it extends to everyone. Everyone in this room, every person that you're going to encounter is a child of God, but not just that, a dearly loved child of God. And then the next thing that happens is we start reading Ephesians chapter 5, and we start getting a very different feeling than this feeling of, I am a dearly loved child of God. So I just want to read uh, uh, some parts of a few verses, starting with verse 3, and you're going to feel it, okay? No doubt. So we've just been told, you are dearly loved children of God. And then it says, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be, remember, obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, no immoral, impure, greedy person has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And we start feeling kind of, you feel the feeling, it's kind of like, oh, um, we feel a bit overwhelmed. 
Some of us might even feel sad because we're like, oh, I thought I was in and now I feel like I'm out because I do have impurity in my life. I do have even a hint of greed. Um, I I have uh, spoken in ways that I don't want to speak. Does that mean I have no inheritance in the kingdom of God? It it might be called conviction, um, but the ancients, the ancient mothers and fathers of our faith, as we read through the scriptures, I think would have called it, and hang with me because I'm going to unpack it. I think they would call what we begin to feel is a fear of God fear of God. And, and it's a very positive thing if we can unpack what it means to fear God. And I'm going to use that phrase in our cycle uh, because I think it's so important to understand. And so the second part is, I fear God. You're like, why does he write in all caps? Because the other way looks even way worse than that. <laughs> so I fear God is not saying I'm afraid of God. And it's not saying, I feel like God is out to get me. But it is saying, I understand God's godness. When the ancients talked about the fear of God, they were saying, I understand that God is God, that God is big, that God is bigger than me. It's a way of saying, I don't have a full understanding of God. And so I fear God. And as we read Ephesians 5, naturally in us grows, uh, I think if we're in a healthy place, a fear of God, which you could call like a respect of God, a reverence for God, an awe of God. But I want to call it, I fear God, because we're going to see some other places in the scriptures that we can refer back to for which I think this is important. So I'm God's child, but I don't use my relationship with God as a license to do whatever I want. In fact, I see it as the opposite. The fear of God leads to a desire to please God. And so this is, I want to please God. The verse says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. Those who know their dearly loved children of God and begin to see God as God and they in a relationship with God, that's what being a child of God is about. It's about being in a relationship. They would say, I want to find out what pleases the God. And here's what pleases God. And this is why this is such an important understanding of the cycle. Because if you start here, I fear God. And this is how some of us were taught, right? This is how some of us encountered religion. Be afraid of God. Be afraid of God's punishment. Be afraid that God is angry with you. If you start here instead of here, you will not come to a place of wanting to please God. You'll come to a place of wanting to appease God. You know, what can I do? What can I sacrifice? What work can I do to keep this God whom I'm afraid of happy? And so uh, Ephesians, the most famous verse in Ephesians is Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that says, it is uh, by grace that we have been saved. And it is not from ourselves, it is the gift of God, lest anyone could, could boast about it. Ephesians 5 says that Christ is our sacrifice, not that we make a sacrifice that will make it. So if we miss who we are to God, then we will begin a cycle, even in our religious life, that could be harmful to us. But if we know who we are, right, it'll be different. So if you're just seeking to appease God with sacrifice and works, you won't be walking towards salvation, you'll be walking towards exhaustion. But if you know who you are in God and, and you fear God in the way of saying, I am in relationship with God as God's child, then we will seek to please God. So I want to please my wife, Rachel, right? Why? Because I'm afraid of her, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> because I, <laughs> I have a healthy fear of her. <laughs> no, no. Why, why, 
I love her. I love her deeply, dearly. And so it raises up to me when I'm in a healthy place to please her, to please her. I love God. Uh, Another way of saying I fear God in this understanding is just to say I love God. I love God. So if that's, if that's better for you, you can do it. I'm doing it because we're gonna look at some other verses where this language is used. But you're saying, I, have, I love God. I'm in a relationship to God, so I want to please God. And so the next thing that happens is the cycle, if you're wanting to please God, is you will be careful how you live. I will be careful how I live. This is from the, this is from the scriptures, okay? The scripture says, Be very careful in how you live. Don't miss this, okay? Um, This careful part. This sounds like the opportunity for a preacher to now start admonishing, right? The congregation. You need to be very careful. I want to do something much different. Um, I want to encourage you. Because what I see in this room right now is people who are being very careful how they live. What in the world are you doing filling up this room at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning in this day and age, in this time? Why are you here? It's, it, it is a very careful thing to be present in this room right now or to open up your computer and say, it's 11 o'clock, I do this every week. You're being careful with how you live. You guys gave $280,000 in one night. Do you realize how careful that is? That people brought their riches to a basket in the front of a room? We were so moved, uh, some of the staff, we were talking about how we saw moms and dads give uh, their offering for Barry Tatum Academy and Compassionate Hands to children on Christmas Eve. And it was the kids who were like, you know, walking around with $100 bills. It was a wild, wild event, you know. And they're saying, no, in the basket, put it in the basket. I'm assuming that these, um, I'm assuming that these parents have a conversation with their kid that we're giving some of our riches so people don't have to sleep outside tonight. For children who, are, who may feel forgotten in our community, to be very, that's, that's a very careful thing. And so I know you, I see you're, you're, you're being, I'm not saying you're perfect, right? You're getting it all right. That's not what this is saying. But it's saying, I'm, I want to be careful how I speak. I want to be careful how I live. I want to be careful how I spend. And it, we begin to live into a holy cycle um, as we move through this. So we, we come to this place. Here's the rest of the verse. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And so the next part of this is number five. I will gain wisdom. I will gain wisdom. We want to be wise in our lives. We want to live uh, with wisdom. And so um, the Bible tells us, that's why I've been, I had number two up there, okay? The Bible tells us multiple places, Psalm 111, Proverbs 9, Job 20, 28, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Over and over in our, in our scripture, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Not being afraid of God, but understanding that God is God leads you into a place where you'll actually gain wisdom for your life. Very few of us start with wisdom, but you might be tempted, or maybe even in your, your religious experience, you might be tempted to say, I just want to get all the knowledge of God. I want to be a part of all the studies. I want to get all the wisdom. If you start here, if this is your starting place, you won't gain wisdom. You'll be puffed up, right? Um, if you start here, you know, I want to be very careful how I live. Well, if that's your starting place without starting, without starting knowing you're a dearly loved child of God, this is what's called legalism. I'm just going to live right in every way. You can't do it. 
If, if you want to start here, maybe you're like a big pleaser. You're like, I'm a person who pleases, so it makes sense to me. I'm just going to please God. But this is where I start. You won't, uh, you won't be um, pleasing God. You'll, you'll be a mess. So the cycle is the beautiful uh, spiritual cycle that God has given us to, to understand your identity as a, you know, as a dearly loved child of God, which means that you're in relationship with God. So you love God, you want to please God, and then eventually you're here as a person who is gaining wisdom. All right, here's the actual rest of the whole verse. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. This is so awesome. That's a six, not a G, but uh, here we go. <laughs> I will make the most of every opportunity. I will make the most of every opportunity. Here, here's why I'm excited, guys. This is actually what the main thing is that we're striving for and longing for and seeking in our lives to make the most of every opportunity. This is what life is like. I want to make the most of this. What, what, what opportunities are before us? One, what, one opportunity today is today. Right? One opportunity right now is right now. I hope that you can see as I'm wearing this shirt, I think as a corduroy lining, I'm sweating. <laughs> I've never been riding on a board again. But I, I hope that you can see the purpose in this is I, want, I'm tr I am trying to make the most of this opportunity. I felt like God was showing me something that would be beneficial, that would be um, uh, life-giving to those who might come. This is an opportunity I've been given. I'm trying to make the most of it. But what I see and sense is that you as well are trying to make the most of this opportunity. What does this mean for you? What is God's word speaking to you in this moment? So the opportunities in this room are endless. Some of you are grandmothers. What an opportunity. Husbands, that's an opportunity. Daughters, that's an opportunity. Business people, that's an opportunity. Leadership positions, that's an opportunity. And those who follow Christ, we want to make the most of, the most of, the most of every opportunity. This is life that is gained, uh, not by being someone saying, I'm going to make the best of today. It's just saying, I know who I am in Christ, and I want to walk in his way. And I fear God, meaning I have a reverence for God. I'm not living my life, you know, just for myself. It's for God. And we, we come to this place of making the most of every opportunity. It's a cycle. And so it comes back here over and, and over and over and over again that we are living into. I am God's dearly loved child. And so, guys, the beauty of this, I think, is that we come to places in our lives and we know what to say yes to and what to say no to. We've gained wisdom by walking with God, that we can be in a, sitting in a moment where we might even be in a cycle that has been harmful to us and to others and say, I know that I'm saying yes to that, even though my impulse was to say no. And so we begin to make the most of those opportunities. And so you might say, I'm going to say yes to being the coach of my kid's team so that in a, a month from now, you're not sitting there and thinking, why did I say no to that? Why am I not standing out there with them? Or some of you, you, you've been the coach eight times in a row and you need to say no to being coach, right? So that you can say yes to something else that, uh, or, some, or someone else. Some of you, you know, you, you, this is gonna give you the wisdom to say, yes, I'm gonna sit with my mom so that a year from now you're, you're not sitting there saying, why did I never, why did I always say no to sitting with mom? but because you were walking in this way. And, it, and again, you, you find things to say no to. No, I'm not staying late. You have the confidence and the wisdom to say that. 
You say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to uh, stay engaged in this relationship because I know who I am in Christ. The opposite of this is to be spiritually sleepy. <laughs> That's why God says, wake up, right? The opposite of this is, is, is to be sleepy. And another word for that is to be deceived. And so if, if shame has led you to think you are anything less than God's dearly loved child, no matter who you are, that's deception. You need to wake up. If, if you've been living in a way where you're the biggest thing in the world and God is, is the smallest thing, that's a sleepy way to live. It's a deceived way of live. We need to fear God. And on and on that it goes so that we can come to this place where we're actually living and making the most of every opportunity. We have a savior who wants us to wake up. Wake up, oh sleepers. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. And so just as a matter of reflection, as I close out, I want to ask you to examine your heart and just sort of uh, ask God to show you. This is between you and God to say, where am I sleepy right now, God? Where am I sleepy? And a couple of ways that you can do that investigation, whether in these moments or later today, a couple of questions you can ask. What am I saying, um, what am I saying no to that I really would need to be saying yes to? There may be a, a sleepy place in your own life where you think, I'm, not, I'm saying no to my treasure when really I want to be saying yes. And the other question, this is really just... Uh, the one for today is, do I believe that I am God's dearly loved child? Do I believe that God loves me like a child? And when you say yes to that and you step into it, you're stepping into a relationship where you get to live this beautiful life. This is a beautiful cycle that I think can help us break out of cycles of anxiety, rage, shame, addiction. There's, all, there's other things that we have to do in the midst of that. But first, we have to understand who we are and the power that God gives us to wake up and break out. Let's pray. Oh, God, thank you for speaking to us this word that we are your children, holy and dearly loved. Thank you for inviting us to walk in a way of love as Christ loved us. Thank you for this picture of uh, what the Bible sometimes calls sanctification, that we're growing and moving and becoming more and more like Jesus. We wanna be more like Jesus. So as we come to the table for communion, God, we ask that bread and juice would become for us the body and blood of Jesus, that we would receive him. And in receiving him, we'd receive grace and um, love and this confidence to walk as your people. Let this bread and juice be for us, his body and blood, so that we could be for the world, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.